We'd like to welcome you to our emergency freedom alerts for April 17th, 2023. We're going to get right into it today. Uh, first report or video is the Nephilim Giants of Patagonia and uh, also talking about biblical giants. Some of this is a little bit redundant regarding what we've covered in the past, but I think it's good to refresh ourselves regarding these subjects. Uh, let's see here. Let's go ahead and play this one. Patagonia is a geographical region that encompasses the southern end of South America, governed by Argentina and Chile. The region is known for its dramatic mountain peaks and an abundance of glaciers and unique wildlife. But for hundreds of years, Patagonia was a land that was known for being inhabited by giants. This map here from 1562 shows the Patagonian giants holding a bow and arrow larger than the man standing next to it. The name so, I mean, they, they even, it was so synonymous with giants that when they made maps back then, they had the giants depicted on the maps. I mean, it was such a foregone thing. Well, it was a foregone thing in the Bible, too, in the Old Testament. I mean, there was multiple, multiple instances where the Bible talks about giants. Not just Genesis 6, but also afterward which the Bible did predict in Genesis 6. And, you know, the Jews trying to go in and take the promised land and all the different giants they encountered there. And we've talked a lot about this. Uh, all you would have to do is key in giants in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. I've done, I don't even know how many teachings on, on this subject overall. Patagonia comes from the word Patagon, a term used by the explorer Ferdinand Magellan in 1520 with one description of the name Patagonia meaning a large clumsy foot referencing the feet of the giants of the region. In Numbers 1333 of the Old Testament it says we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in their sight. The Bible and the ancient cultures from around the world all talk about the existence of giants in their days and Patagonia has a lot of history surrounding this. The first mention of the giants of Patagonia or the Patagones were by Ferdinand Magellan and his crew who were exploring the coastline of South America in the 1520s on their journey to circumnavigate the entire world. One of the few survivors of the expedition wrote down his account of an encounter with a giant who was twice the size of a normal person. And that says, quote, One day we suddenly saw a naked man of giant stature on the shore of the port, dancing and singing and throwing dust on his head. The Captain General, Ferdinand Magellan, sent one of our men to the giant so that he might perform the same actions as a sign of peace. Having done that, the man led the giant to an inlet where the Captain General was waiting. When the giant was in the Captain General's in our presence, he marveled greatly and made signs with one finger raised upward, believing that we had come from the sky. He was so tall that we reached only to his waist. He was well proportioned. Kind of amazing that if this account is actually to be true, that the giant would point up to the sky in reference to people with advanced knowledge and technology, which could have been a passed down tradition because their fathers were fallen from the sky, the fallen angels of Genesis 6-4. Throughout the 15th and 16th and 17th century, many other explorers who traveled to Patagonia claimed to have encounters with the giants of the region. In the 1590s, Anthony Nivet claimed that he had seen dead bodies 12 feet long in Patagonia. In the 1590s, William Adams, an Englishman aboard a Netherlander ship rounded Tierra del Fuego, reported a violent encounter between his ship's crew and unnaturally tall natives. In 1615, a grave with bones of the giants in Puerto Desiedo were reported by William Schuten and Jacob Lee Marie, 
The official story of this claim and many other finds of giant bones ties the bones to ancient giant fossils. The other mainstream narrative for the explanation of these sailors' accounts of giants in Patagonia is tied to the Tawalchi tribe of natives who lived in the region who were said to be taller than the average person living in Europe at the time. And while the Tawachi tribe may have been larger than the average person, this is no explanation that some of the sailors' accounts of the giants they encountered said that the tallest men on their crew's heads only went up to the giant's waist, or the other explorers' accounts of seeing the dead bodies of giants over 12 feet tall. In 2 Samuel 21.20 it says, Yet again there was war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, twenty-four in number, and he also was born to the giant. 2 Samuel 21.16 says, Then Ishbi Benob, who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. The Bible references giants time and time again. Earth's ancient past showing the impossible megalithic sites that were built, as well as the reference of giants all throughout the Bible and all throughout ancient cultures, proves the narrative of the Bible and the supernatural past of the world to have way more validity than modern-day science would like to give it. The understanding that the giants, the Nephilim offspring in the world, were once a part of Earth's history absolutely proves the Bible to have way more validity. It also shows that the theory of evolution that is taught is clearly not correct. There's really no proof of macroevolution anywhere in the world, not a single case of any interspecies animal exists, and the knowledge that giants once existed in the world would absolutely blow apart the evolution narrative, which is why right at the beginning of the printing press and all these discoveries of giant bones in the early days of America and the world at the same time, all these universities who were getting on board with the theory of evolution started taking the giant bones in, of course didn't want to have to switch their narrative that they had been teaching on evolution, and decided to cover up the evidence of these bones. As time has gone on and the science field and the universities... And that's the Smithsonian cover-up. That Steve Quayle's got a book, well, and I don't, I don't know if it's actually his book, but I believe it's called Smithsonian Cover-Up. You can, you can keyword search reference it online. Um, maybe Smithsonian cover-up giants. I know it's on, I think, his Gen 6 website. All kind of books on giants and, and all of the early newspaper clippings. And there's whole, the whole point is, is there's whole books written on the cover-up um, in order to preserve Darwinism and in, in order to um, not damage what was being taught or what was started to be taught in the public school system to essentially the, the whole motivation is to just damn as many souls to hellfire as possible because the bottom line is if if you think you evolve from a rock which is basically what darwinism teaches at the end of the day i mean some big bang happened okay where did that all come from and then that formed the planets how we don't know it was just chaos i guess random chaos and then the rain rained on the rocks for millions of years on the primordial planet Earth and lightning hit the primordial ooze and out of that formed a two-cell amoeba. So I guess that's where life began. And then that's what eventually evolved into amoebas and then fish and then the fish crawled onto land and then they developed into a monkey or whatever and then so on and so on. I mean, the theory is so insane and asinine it takes far more faith to believe that theory than it ever would just to believe that there's 
a god of the universe that actually created everything in his seven-day creation period, like Genesis 1 outlines. Uh, far more, far more faith to believe in Darwinism than in the narrative of what the Bible presents, and it's so easily validated as well. Now, there's a lot of devils out there. There's a lot of science, quote scientific institutions out there trying to, and have been for over a hundred years, trying to um, discredit the Bible and present their false lying narrative of Darwinism. And that the earth is millions and millions of years old. I don't b believe in that either. Um, because that goes hand in hand with Darwinism. Darwinism has to have that millions and millions of years thing in order to work. Okay. Um, it's, it's one of the cornerstones of Darwinism. It's not of creationism at all. Okay. But another subject for a different day, but... Um, We'll go further here. Grown to be anti-Bible and anti-God, the possibility of the evidence of these giant bones that they have being released to the public, of course, grows slimmer and slimmer. And it's not just scientific communities as well. Religious organizations, such as rumored by the Vatican, are said to have possession of some of these bones. And since the bones of the giants, which are the offspring of the fallen angels, are tied to that fallen angel genetics, you can see how nefarious organizations of people would want to get a hold of these bones and these DNA to maybe even produce the offspring and the entities such as the Antichrist or his army of two million soldiers that will come upon the earth in the last days. Many possibilities as to why these bones and the understanding of these giants has been covered up by certain organizations, but if we look back at history, at all the different cultures all across the world, at some point we have to say, maybe all of these guys weren't lying and there actually were giants in the earth at one point. And of course, as we know, and why this truly matters to me, is because the Bible says that it is true, and that these beings were walking on the earth at one point in history. And the understanding of this truth, and the covering up of this truth, hopefully would open the eyes of those who are interested to see that there is truth and there is validity within the Bible and the stories within it. So at some point, people just need to make up their own mind. Are all these stories from every culture all throughout the world just lying and exaggerating about the height of certain beings called giants living in their regions? Or is the biblical truth talking about giants all throughout the earth, the offspring of the fallen angels and women, actually a reality and a truth that existed once on the earth and may even still exist in remote parts of the earth today? Let me know what you think in the comments below. They're still in the Solomon Islands. I mean, that's, I've, I've reported on that over and over, that that is just a foregone conclusion. The Solomon Islands, I mean, it's the land that time forgot. That's like the, the motto of the whole nation. And there's, whole, there's a whole book written on that, the Solomon Island, uh, Mysteries of the Solomon Islands or Solomon Island, Island Giants. I've read excerpts from that book before. And um, it, you go there and it's like everybody in that region that live on those islands this is a for not only just there though in Papua New Guinea, in um, the Solomon Islands, in that whole those whole island chains in there, everybody knows that these giants exist. They're still there now. They're not as out in the open as they used to be. Um, that's that's true. I will agree with that. Yeah, it's it's the Solomon Island mysteries, accounts of giants and UFOs in the Solomon Islands, and it's crazy because. The UFOs and the giants and all kind of really weird cryptozoological creatures roam 
various parts of not only the Solomon Islands, but like I said, all the way over to Papua New Guinea, uh, in those in those whole island chains, wherever the islands are big enough and typically have mountains, you will typically find giants. And there's different kinds. Some of them are more dwarf-like. Um, I guess you wouldn't call them giants, but they're they're extremely strong and they're different types. There's all kind of different weird kinds and flavors of these things that occur. And the guy, this Marius Borland, Bor Borayan, who went there, um, he ended up marrying one of the uh, indigenous women there who was, I think like her dad was one of the tribal leaders or something. And he was the first white man to ever, or maybe first or second white man to ever do that. So he had inside access. You can't just go there and, and you know, ingratiate yourself and, and find out all this stuff as an outsider. He did because they accepted him. They literally indoctr. In fact, I just reread the book the other day, or not? It was I don't know, it was a couple months ago. I reread it. It's just one of the most fascinating reads you'll ever read. If you can get a copy, it's two hundred and fifty-six dollars on Amazon right now. I'm looking at it. Okay. What they always do with books like this, of information that they do not want out, and I'm pretty sure he was, he was murdered off, Marius. You can't even hardly find anything about him anymore now. Um, he wanted to take other expeditions there. Well, that all ended. Pretty sure they murdered the guy. Um, they ended him because he was getting way too close to the truth, putting out way too much information and truth with this book he put out. Uh, wasn't like he got rich off this book. Wasn't like, you know, he became some big star. As far as I can see, his life went to that old expression, hell in a handbasket. It was not a blessing on him. Okay, he wasn't a Christian and um, he was he was targeted. He was targeted by the Australian government, probably by our government because um, the US government, the Australian government, there's a lot of different factions that are keeping the lid on what is going on in the Solomon Islands. That island chain is so rich in resources, they don't want the resources to get out. And this may be true of a lot of places in the earth, and you'd say, why? Why wouldn't they want? Because they want to have a corner on the market in a lot of different areas. Diamonds, rubies, sapphires, oil. I'm trying to think of, of a whole bunch of the things that were mentioned in the book where they were in abundance in this island chain, in the Solomon Islands. I think it was like, it's kind of like over a tectonic plate or something, and there's a lot of stuff that's, you know, a lot of these things were formed as a result of that. And for instance, like with the diamonds that I know a lot of the, the Zionist, really high level um, Zionist Kabbalist uh, Jews control. And I'm not speaking against the Jews altogether. I'm saying though that they do own that particular thing. There's an absolute abundance of those things in, in different parts of the Solomon Islands. The thing is, is they don't want that happening that this market coming to um fruition because it would flood the market and their monopoly it would be a much harder thing to control 
and monopolize the diamond market as a result of this. This is just one example of what I'm giving you. Actually, what he had done is he went to, there was this one island, I think it's Maladia, who's what's really, really super rich in these stones. And since he was already in, he was already an insider, he was ingratiated to a lot of these chiefs who he was introduced to personally. And now these people are like savages too. So you, you better have an inside uh, track because you can't just go in there as a white man and, and say, hey, here I am. Let's do business. It doesn't work that way there. And this is why this type of information, another reason that a lid is kept on it, just because of all the, the cultural things going on. And I mean, it's, I mean, you read this book and it is just a mess of garbage that he had to wade through to discover what he has discovered. And to them, it's just a way of life. To them, giants and all kind of weird, strange cryptozoological creatures and UFOs and all, it's just a way of life. It's been a way of life hundreds of years. And you have to understand too, these people that are on these islands, these were their gods for a long time. And they emulated their gods. The, the giants were cannibalistic. And again, you have that in Papua New Guinea. You have, you, know, the, you have the headhunter stuff going on. And a lot of these tribes were also that way. And some of them, you know, still have a very big propensity toward violence. So you would have to be very savvy in and he had this his, his wife and his uh, i think he took i think his father father-in-law with him a lot of these places and he got inside and learned a lot of the different things that were going on there and documented it in this book it's one of the most amazing if you could get your hands on a copy it's one of the most amazing reads you'll ever read um but they do not want resources and this is just one spot on earth this may be in there may be this times a thousand on planet earth i only know about the solomon islands because of marius okay but the people in control okay the the, the big oil diamond industry you name it what if there's any kind of industry like that you've got very very wicked people at the top controlling the output of that therefore they can drive up the price and make you pay through the nose and that's what this is all about he actually had brought a gigantic thing of these gemstones there you can't even imagine how many different kinds rubies sapphires emeralds diamonds um i think black diamonds which occurred i wasn't even understanding or i didn't really know about those um all these things he brought to Australia. And they basically were like, we're not interested. And that was when he started having all the problems. That's when he started having all the visits from uh, the governmental agencies. And they were watching him like a hawk. Because they do not... The governments of the world are wicked, evil, and corrupt. If Satan was able to show Jesus all the kingdoms of the world said, just bow down to me and I'll give these whatever to you. He controls them. Doesn't mean he controls the universe. It doesn't mean God's not in control, but he is the, you know, prince of the power of the air, the god of this world, you know, from a carnal standpoint, okay? And um, he installs wicked people at the top of these government chains in order to, you know, keep a lid on things and do his bidding and things of this nature. This book is just pure evidence of that. And, um... It's, it's mind-blowing. Absolutely 
mind-blowing. But they, they're there right now. The Giants are there right now in the Solomon Islands and in elsewhere. And um, in these island chains, they're not like on the beach sunbathing or anything like that. They know to lay low and kind of stay cool. But if you go into their territory, because they're, they're very, very territorial, and the, you have to understand these are extremely, extremely remote places where most of the time you don't ever have, have any type of mechanized things. Or when they did, like when they tried to go into one of their territories to mine gold there, they were finding that their bulldozer blades were being thrown like a hundred yards. Gigantic multi-ton bulldozer blades were like ended up in the jungle. That's how strong these things are. And anyway, you'd have to really read the book to get the full gist of what I'm talking about. But what they'll do is when it comes to books like this, and this has been out of print, it's never gonna, you know, be reprinted or whatever. Marius is dead, I'm pretty sure. And there's never going to be an update, I don't believe, unless there's some person that has a copy of some update he's got and will release in the future. They will buy these up. And that's why you're going to see a book like this that I probably bought for 20 bucks, And now it's on Amazon for $256. I mean, the thing was only released in like 2008 or 2010 or something. Yeah, 2010. So it's only been 13 years. The thing's already worth $256 online. And I think that's the, yeah, the two, from 250 to 256 is the price ranges. And these are, I'm sure, used copies. So they do not, it, they'll buy up the copies so that you're going to have to just pay through the nose to get this information. And I, again, I'm not telling any of, my, any of my listeners to do that. It's just, that's what happens with a lot of these books. All right, let's go to the next report here. Giant Encounters of the Old Americas. This investigation is sponsored by June's Journey. Hey, fellow seekers, I'm Mr. Mythos. In 1539, an army of 600 soldiers and slaves trekked 4,000 miles through the forested wetland of what we now know as the southeastern United States. Leading these troops was the Spanish conquistador, Hernando de Soto, one of the most successful explorers of the New World. I mean, these are these are big, big names uh, of from antiquity that have seen these giants and have documented. They had guys with them just to document everything that was going on on these voyages and report back to the state um, everything that they had found. I mean, the, the if 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 the state or the religion or whatever the day Catholicism or whatever was going to be the one funding this, you know they want to um, they want to have a detailed account of where their money is going to. So m these are meticulously documented things. The ones that made it back. Now, I mean, obviously not all did, uh, but that's another factor in all of this who made his riches plundering gold and selling slaves. Among the native tribes, warnings of his expedition spread quickly. On October 5th, 1940, De Soto and his men were resting in the remains of a village when, in front of them, the shaded forest began to rustle and a massive figure emerged. De Soto's private secretary, Rodrigo Raniel, was the one to record this. Okay, so this is Rodrigo Raniel, his private secretary that was, that was tasked with recording everything that was going on. This is straight from DeSoto's private secretary. Quote, seeing him, we paused, dumb with amazement. A great-limbed giant, 
the heads of our tallest men reached only to his breast, end quote. This towering native gazed down at the troop of silent Spaniards, then locked his eyes on Hernando de Soto. In rough, broken Spanish, the giant introduced himself as Black Panther, the son of the powerful chief Tuscaloosa. He announced that Chief Tuscaloosa wanted to meet them, and a welcoming feast was being prepared. Which I'm, I would imagine that's where Tuscaloosa, Alabama probably got its name, I would think. This was in that region. Curious, DeSoto and his hungry men agreed to follow Black Panther into the dense forest, the way to his village. Little did they know that they were being led into one of the deadliest giant encounters in recorded history. But before we meet the giants, as many of you know, I investigate mysteries for a living. Okay, so he's going to go over some game that he's promoting. All right, let's go a little bit forward here. Okay, so let's jump ahead. This Three days had passed as Hernando de Soto and his army followed the indigenous giant who called himself Black Panther. Finally, they crossed through the edge of the thick forest into a sunlit clearing and laid their eyes on a large settlement guarded by towering barricades of heavy logs wrapped together with monstrous vines. They'd reached the domain of Chief Tuscaloosa, the tribal capital known as Mabila. And it wasn't so much of a village as it was a city. Black Panther guided them through the entrance. Inside, the Spaniards counted over 80 houses, some very large, with dry mud walls and roofs sealed by river cane and giant palm leaves. The young giant led them onward to a tall shaded mound in the distance. There on the mound sat Chief Tuscaloosa, with a hundred regular-sized tribal warriors guarding him from all sides. Black Panther approached, and his father stood up to greet him. De Soto and his men were in shock. Tuscaloosa was taller than his son by at least two feet. Well, that's because his son was... Tuscaloosa was probably either a half-caste or a full-on giant. Um, and I've explained this before. It goes a lot into that in that book about Solomon Island Mysteries. They're called half-caste, quarter-caste, eighth-caste giants. Meaning, every time you breed with a normal white woman... You're, you're going to have half of that DNA genetics, um, of the, as far as the giant genetics, you're going to have half of that taken away. So they're going to get smaller and smaller. Okay, The Calusa Indians, for instance, also were, um, which is from the region where I was from, Fort Myers, where, where I grew up, when the um, well, Ponce de Leon, uh, I believe, um, was one of the ones that discovered them they said that they were unusually large and they were probably like eighth cast giants in that region they were probably they, they were they weren't like giants but they were un, very unusually large especially for the day and so um you had a lot of this going on where okay so you've got tuscaloosa who was two feet taller than his son tuscaloosa had bred with a normal uh, with like an Indian woman, and so her son, which was this black uh, foot or whatever, he was two feet tall, two feet shorter than his dad. He was still a giant. So Tuscaloosa may have been a full-on giant, meaning his dad may have been a fallen angel that bred with a woman. The woman, just like in Genesis 6, the woman bore the giant, just like in Genesis 6. They were called men of old, men of renown, 
there were giants in the earth in those days and also after that and this is evidence of also after that if you go to genesis 6 and then the giant tuscaloosa bred with a human woman an, an indian that bore his son here now the son's two feet shorter as a result of that the son is either a probably a half caste giant i would think he was probably a half caste giant and then if his son bred then you know then you would have a quarter caste giant and i'm talking not not bred with like another giant woman but just with a another human okay and this is how the bloodlines get diluted over time quote a giant mightier than his son with big boned sinewy limbs like a gnarled leafless tree high up he towered his speech was couched in fair expressions yet beneath it i detected undertones boding but little good to me or mine end quote the chief turned toward the crowd of Spaniards, and his hand motioned toward the largest house in the village, beckoning them to go in and enjoy their feast. Inside, fresh food was laid out, and beautiful women danced, sung, and played flutes. The army was in awe. However, not all was as it seemed. As they'd sat, ate, and drank for hours, De Soto began sobering up, and looking around, he noticed that Chief Tuscaloosa was nowhere to be found. It was almost night, so DeSoto went outside to look. Meanwhile, inside the feast hall, Rodrigo Roniel writes, quote, Old women with the children are all gone. I glanced above and saw unnumbered scowling faces peer from rifts and loopholes. I saw their crafty warriors slipping spears and bows and arrows under leaves of palm. I knew, though late, the deadly danger that encompassed us. The dancing and the singing ceased. And cool. So it was a total ambush setup. These devils were just baiting them in, trying to get them probably drunk and um, get tired into the night, and then they slot to slaughter them. Outside, Hernando de Soto spotted Chief Tuscaloosa at the entrance of the village. The grounds of the entire village had been cleared, and the giant was about to leave. This was an ambush. De Soto immediately cried out for his men to defend themselves. As they rushed out, a hail of arrows came down on them, slaughtering 200 of the conquistadors. The rest battled their way out and escaped. In the early morning, the survivors regrouped and plotted their revenge. They approached the village of Mobila and launched an assault on its barricade. They hacked away at the logs and eventually broke through and stormed the city. The conquistadors set fire to the buildings killed over 2,500 tribespeople, and beheaded Tuscaloosa's son, Black Panther. It was a massacre. And So they beheaded the the either half-caste or quarter-caste giant, his son, Black Panther. The end of this fierce nine-hour siege, which would become known to history as the Battle of Mabila, the entire tribal capital had burned to the ground. After searching the wreckage, however, Chief Tuscaloosa's body was not found among the dead. All assumed that Chief Tuscaloosa had escaped deep into the forest, so DeSoto and his army spent the next several weeks searching for him. During that time, the Spaniards encountered many other gigantic man-made mounds, just like the one Tuscaloosa had sat on as a throne. But they never found Tuscaloosa. A few months later, Hernando DeSoto caught a fever and died, and his body was dumped in the Mississippi River. 
the surviving conquistadors returned to Spain to deliver their official report that giants in America indeed existed, just as other expeditions and conquistadors before them had claimed. They're showing the, the Patagonia map that was in the last video where it's, it's, a, it's a map from that time period. I think it's from... Um, I think it might be from Magellan. Anyway, um, but yeah, they're showing the giants depicted on the map from that time period. I mean, it's just very well known. Many of the most well-known and influential explorers of the New World, the Americas, encountered giants and documented it. Some of these giants were hostile and ill-willed, while others were friendly and kind. Between That doesn't mean that they're good, okay? I, I you know, it, it does not, because the vast majority of the encounters that I've seen um, very malevolent creatures. They varied greatly in looks and culture. The only real difference from humans was their size. Christopher Columbus first reached the Americas in 1492, but he wasn't the one to first discover the giants there. That title goes to the Italian explorer Amerigo Vespucci who the Americas are named yeah, after. Or America's named after this guy. Amerigo Vespucci made the first European contact with American giants in 1499, and much further south on the map than Hernando de Soto. This took place on the Caribbean island we know today as Curacao. In his journal, Vespucci writes, quote, We landed to see if we could find fresh water. Going along the shore, we beheld very large footprints of men on the sand and we judged if their other members were of corresponding size, that they must be very big men. We discovered a trail and set ourselves to walk on it two leagues and a half inland. We met a village of twelve houses in which we did not find anyone except five women, two old ones and three girls so lofty in stature that we gazed at them in astonishment." End quote. Amerigo Vespucci did what early European explorers of the New World tended to do. He accepted drinks from his unexpecting hosts and immediately began plotting with his men to kidnap these three girls, who were abnormally tall. However, their plan sizzled out when the men of the village returned. Quote, when the men entered, some of our fellows were so frightened that at the moment they thought they were done for. They were of such lofty stature that each of them was taller when upon his knees than I was when standing erect. They were of the stature of giants. We gave them soft words and sign language that we were men of peace and that we were out to see the world. In fact, we judged it wise to part from them without controversy. They stuck with us all the way to the sea and until we embarked." End quote. Twenty years later, in 1519, the Spanish explorer Alonso Alvarez de Pineda would be the next to report an encounter with giants. This was in the same region later trucked by Hernando de Soto, the southeastern United States. So this goes on to like the 38-minute mark of just story after story after story of super famous old-time explorers from antiquity who had specific men on their boats to chronicle everything that was going on they weren't writing for the National Enquirer or, you know, whatever. Just documentation and it's story after report after report about this. But again, this has all been suppressed in the textbooks because it doesn't fit the Darwinian narrative to brainwash everybody. 
here's another video. Neanderthals debunked. Evidence for evolution or just human? Natural history museums everywhere display lineups of ape to human icons that supposedly show how humans evolved from the ape-like creatures millions of years ago. The last step in this lineup are Neanderthals, holding the 40,000 to 400,000 years ago time slot. Just decades ago, Neanderthals were regarded in museums and textbooks as gorilla-like cavemen. This is because their fossils were viewed through extra or with an evolutionary lens, meaning like a Darwinian lens, being framed as some type of last step between the ape-like creatures and humans. Uh, but today, we've learned that Neanderthals fit into history exactly as the Bible describes, post-flood humans who dispersed from the Tower of Babel and lived during the Ice Age period. Uh, see more at genesisimpact.com. Now, I'm going to go ahead and play this video here. Natural history museums everywhere line up ape-to-human icons that supposedly show humans evolving from ape-like creatures over millions of years. The final icon in this parade is typically Neanderthals, holding the 40,000 to 400,000 years ago time slot. Just decades ago, Neanderthals were regarded in museums and textbooks as gorilla-like cavemen. This is because their fossils were viewed through an evolutionary lens, being framed as some type of last step between ape-like creatures and humans. The scientist who gave Neanderthal man its name believed their thoughts and desires never soared beyond those of a brute and emphasized how their heavy brow ridges resembled those of chimps and gorillas. Another leading evolutionist, Ernst Haeckel, even proposed naming the species Homo stupidus. Textbook and newspaper articles displayed them for decades as half-ape, half-human, brutish beasts, complete with clubs and primitive expressions. Which, again, if this is true, then you could just throw the Bible out the door. Because there's no Bible for any of this. There's no Bible. God created male and female. Adam and Eve. There was no, there was no caveman. There was no Neanderthal. There was no piltdown man. There was no evolutionary step before that. He created... Adam and Eve and Adam named and then the animals and then Adam named the animals. Okay? That's how it happened. There was no this macro evolution which there's no evidence of that anywhere. Period. Now there's evidences of micro evolution where like you have a moth that that changes wing color over a time because there's more soot in the air or something in a particular region of the world. Stuff like that. It's micro evolution. That does happen. That still does happen. But macro is when you say we came, you know, a monkey turned into a human, which is just total lies. But how can we make sense of these fossils without an evolutionary interpretation? How can they be viewed through a biblical lens? Actually, the biblical view on Neanderthals fits the data perfectly. They were just human. Just like how people groups vary today, Neanderthals had distinct body types, but scientists have recently confirmed that they lived and had families with people who looked just like humans do today. They are also found buried with people we would classify as modern humans, and jewelry, musical right. instruments, weaponry, medicine, and artwork have been found in and around their graves. So if Neanderthals evolved into modern humans, why would they be buried together, in other words? Recent discovery even found that Neanderthals combed beaches and went diving to find certain shells to be used as tools. Modern scientists are still trying to replicate how they made an advanced type of glue for their weapons. This synthesized pitch was made using a process known by chemists today as dry distillation and requires careful heat regulation and airtight pottery containers. 
Neanderthals were also great at making cordage and tying knots, controlling fire, preserving meat, tailoring clothes, and making shelters and living floors. They were not brutish, gorilla-like cavemen holding clubs as represented through the evolutionary lens for decades. They were humans, just like we are humans. Now they're even portrayed in museums sporting stylish ponytails and suits. Though the evolutionary timeline has Neanderthals going extinct 30 to 40,000 years ago, the latest DNA evidence shows that they never actually went extinct, but were just assimilated into other human populations. Exactly. We agree with the director of the leading Neanderthal museum who said, the irony is that the scientific community is going to have to come around to the acceptance that the Denisovans and the Neanderthals also belong to the species which we all call Homo sapiens. Now this is a guy that has his own Neanderthal museum, okay? You talk about some Somebody who is an expert and he's even come to that conclusion that is they were that they were human scientific evidence that supports the Bible's account of human origins let's look and find out one of the most obvious examples that humans are created is found in our hearing system taking an honest look at our hearing system reveals an obvious designer how could random mindless evolution engineer five separate components that have no purpose unless they are all joined together in a certain order and in a certain way for the purpose of hearing? Even if some random process could put together just one of these five components, it takes engineering and intelligence to join these five parts together so that the sound waves from speech could be heard and then immediately interpreted as communication in our minds. The eye might even be more convincing containing hundreds of parts that had to be assembled to create the overall purpose and function for seeing. Random chance certainly doesn't have the intelligence needed for assembling different parts into a cohesive, interdependent system for sight to work. Next, let's take a quick tour of some scientific discoveries over just the last few decades that give strong evidence for the Bible's account of human origins. Let's start by looking at DNA, a protein coding language that cannot be replicated by any scientist in the world. It's the most sophisticated information storage system in the known universe. Nothing comes even close. In fact, over 10,000 DNA molecules can fit on the head of a pin, and unfolding just one of them reveals six feet of instructions capable of building who you are. Stretching out DNA in the trillions of cells in your body could reach to the sun and back hundreds of times. Perhaps you've heard that humans and chimps share 98% of their DNA. But did you know that when they made this comparison, they ignored 18% of the chimp genome and 25% of the human genome? Plus, the chimp genome is over 6% larger than ours. When they give the 98% similarity figure, it's based on cherry-picked DNA regions that were similar. Of course, humans and chimps have similar DNA. They're mammals living in the world with similar requirements for biological life. Our DNA is also similar to several other creatures. What about DNA research that purportedly shows our genome dates back tens of thousands of years, far outreaching the biblical timeline? Recent research into mitochondrial DNA mutation rates gives the answer. This is unique because it comes only from the mother's egg, making it useful for tracing maternal ancestry. Since DNA was sequenced in 1981, researchers have been studying the mutation rates in mtDNA to try and estimate when different groups of people possibly diverged. Evolutionary researchers have based these timelines on the assumption that humans and chimps shared a common ancestor about 5 million years ago. That date was based on counting the mtDNA and protein differences between all the great apes and timing their divergence using dates from fossils of one great ape's ancestor. 
This evolutionary assumption counts on the mtDNA mutation rate of about one mutation every 300 to 600 generations, or one every 6,000 to 12,000 years. But do these evolutionary assumptions hold up? Actually, recent studies have shown that the actual mutation rates are much faster than the rates assumed by evolution theory, causing researchers to rethink the mtDNA clock they depend on for forensic investigations. This discovery was published in Nature Genetics by Dr. Parsons and his colleagues who investigated the mtDNA of 357 individuals from 134 different families representing 327 generational events, which are counted by the number of times that mothers passed on mtDNA mtDNA to their offspring. Parsons' team showed that mutation rates actually occur at a rate of 1 every 33 generations, which was 20-fold higher than the estimates based on the theoretical 5-million-year timeline between chimps and humans that expect about one mutation in every 300 to 600 generations or one every 6,000 to 12,000 years. This study was published in Nature Genetics, and the faster rate has stood fast even as the number of families in the study has doubled. Other studies have confirmed these findings since Parsons' discovery. For example, Howell's team analyzed mtDNA from 40 members of a family with an overall divergence rate of one mutation every 25 to 40 generations. Howell remarked that both of our studies, his and Parsons, came to a remarkably similar conclusion. Based on these findings, Howell warned that phylogenic studies, studies that try to estimate the evolutionary branching between animal kinds, have substantially underestimated the rate of mtDNA divergence. As one science writer puts it, evolutionists are most concerned about the effect of a faster mutation rate. For example, researchers have calculated that mitochondrial Eve, the woman whose mtDNA was ancestral to that in all living people, lived 100,000 to 200,000 years ago in Africa. Using the new clock, she would be a mere 6,000 years old. Hmm. This, of course, fits well within the Bible's timeline. Exactly. Based on their updated work, identifying 220 soldiers' remains from World War II to the present, Parsons and Holland now have new guidelines adopted by the FBI as well to account for a faster mutation rate. Studies have also confirmed that there was a massive DNA variability explosion that happened on Earth just thousands of years ago, within the time frame of Noah's flood and the Babel dispersion that occurred afterwards. Next, let's consider the extent of the fossil evidence that exists for human evolution. Charles Darwin postured that if evolution was true, innumerable transitional forms must have existed. That meaning there's going to be... Uh neanderthal to human there's going to be these transitional forms that have really never been found okay and this is where this macro evolution was occurring in these transitional forms that don't really exist now micro evolution again is totally different this is very very tiny changes uh adaptation within different species of animals and things of this nature uh, <clears throat> uh macro evolution is a farce also question why do we not find them embedded in countless numbers in the crust exactly. of the earth yeah we agree i mean darwin even said that innumerable transitional forms must have existed why do we not find them embedded in the countless numbers of the crust of the earth because they don't exist because the bible's true if human evolution was true wouldn't we expect the ground to be filled with numerous transitions between ape-like creatures we agree with Darwin that the lack of transitions is the most obvious and serious objection which can be urged against the theory of evolution. 
Even Ian Tattersall, emeritus curator with the American Museum of Natural History, noted that you could fit all the supposed ape-to-human fossil evidence into the back of a pickup truck <laughs> if you didn't mind how much you jumbled everything up. With centuries of recorded history... That's and all they've got. They've got the back of a pickup truck of the supposed evidence for these transitional forms. The, the, there would be millions of these things fossilized in the crust and stuff like that. They've got basically, and, and it's probably all those are, are some type of anomaly, some type of genetic anomaly that they're deeming as, I mean, um, I know that one transitional form they said it was, well, it was Piltdown Man or one, the one they took, it was like the tooth of a pig or something. And they built a whole thing around this one tooth. And, and it was just, it's so insane how obsessed they are with pushing this Darwinian evolutionary narrative to literally destroy your faith in the word of God in the Bible and um, make you think that you evolved from a rock. 7 billion interfertile humans on the planet today, we should certainly have more than a truck bed of fossil evidence if evolution was true. The truth is that we are too sophisticated to evolve out of some primordial mud pit over billions of years. We sing, worship, have ceremonies, pray, educate ourselves, and do so many other things that reflect the fact that we are spiritual beings and not animals. God made us on the sixth day of creation to name and take dominion over the entire animal kingdom. This happened just thousands of years ago. Yep. God sent his son to redeem us from the fall that happened when our real forefathers sinned. We have been mercifully brought into a place of grace, forgiveness, and rest if we accept his sacrifice by confessing our sins and surrender our lives to him. Looking for answers about what the Bible teaches about creation, the fossil record, dinosaurs? Download the Genesis Apologetics app from the iTunes or Google Play stores for answers to these questions and more. Genesis Apologetics. Um, I don't know a whole lot about them, but the video is pretty good. Uh, the you can find them on YouTube, and um, I guess the thing that he just said regarding the last thing that he just mentioned. If you're not understanding, or if you've never been um, had any kind of biblical gospel narrative or account given to you go to contendingfortruth.com contendingfortruth.com okay which is our website and there is a tab on the right hand upper corner called true salvation and those are a series of teachings i've done which talk about the true gospel the good news part one part two part three the importance of baptism then these are things like after salvation the cross of Christ and the crucified life, part one and two, and then, and three, and four. Uh, then overcoming, protection, meekness, answered prayer, faith, fear of the Lord, part one, part two. And so that, I put those all up there for kind of a total package of things regarding salvation and, and what comes afterwards. So that is the most important decision you will ever make, by far. Uh, there's no comparison. So if you haven't done that, Please do, please do so avail yourself to that. It's all free. There's PDFs up there to correspond with each teaching, which is basically the template for each study. And really all it is is a whole bunch of Bible verses that we're talking about here that we're going over and, and I just let the Bible teach itself. Okay, so let's go forward here and get more into the study here. So the next one is full alien 
double disclosure plan to begin soon with the rediscovery of ancient technologies. And I, I label this, this the satanic carrot to woo the masses. Because so many people that are obsessed with the whole, quote, alien disclosure movement, they just want all the goodies. They want all the tech that these benevolent space brothers are going to give us if we just would bow down and yield to them and worship them and, and accept their narrative. And, and millions and millions are going to do it. I believe it's a big part of the whole strong delusion. And this is from Michael Salia, who is on the absolute spear tip of deceiving the nations, the masses. Uh, he owns the exopolitics, which stands for exo uh, extraterrestrial politics. And he is one of the main people that are trying to bring this deception into the world. He's preparing the masses. This is all part of soft disclosure that I've talked a lot about in the past. So I'm just going to let this brief video um, play here and we'll see what this devil has to say. For thousands of years, remnants of long forgotten civilizations have secretly existed under the Earth's surface and oceans. Ancient peoples built flourishing subterranean and underwater cities using advanced technologies and knowledge they had preserved from their society's achievements and from extraterrestrial visitors. Many of these ancient civilizations are the survivors of Earth catastrophes which have periodically struck our world. Yeah, like the flood. Over the centuries, the residents of these secret underground and underwater cities have interacted with surface dwellers, sharing some of their advanced knowledge and technologies. Thus began the legends of Agatha, Shambhala, and fabulous subaquatic cities populated by mermen. Ooh, mermen. Nice. Today, the dwellers of these underground and undersea cities have joined a comprehensive plan to expose themselves to surface humanity and to reveal the true history of Earth. Oh, that's where we're going to get total, total divergence from the biblical narrative. And see, this is what we're all being set up for. We've got this overtly wicked, evil cabal with people like Biden and Macron and George Soros and all these people, overtly wicked, evil plan. And these are most likely the way I've I figured it out. These are going to be the ones that come to save the day, the good guys. And they'll have people like Trump and um, this Kennedy guy who we're going to be talking about uh, and Mike Adams and David Wilcock, who we're going to also talk about and Alex Jones and these types of people and the Q movement and the freedom doctors and a lot of the people on the right they're going to be the ones that are going to be pointing to them and saying oh look these are our these these uh benevolent et space brothers have come to save the day these the ascended masters are going to be a part of this most likely matreya will be a part of this i've been talking about this for years and nothing I have not deviated off this path one bit. I have not had to go back and say, oh, I was wrong about it. I, I'm telling you, if anything, it just seems that we're getting closer and closer. And I, I'm not going to take credit. I'll give the Lord Jesus Christ all the credit. But it does seem that we're getting closer and closer to this. And again, our government has been doing all these things along the lines of what they call soft disclosure. All these, oh, tick, 
tic-tac videos of the ufos and, and oh these astronauts saw aliens and, and our, our guys in the military saw them and now there's video footage and, and there's all these things coming in all the stuff that hollywood has done with the sci-fi series um, movies like Stargate Atlantis and Stargate uh, SGI and all the movies that have been made. All of this has been done by design on purpose and will most likely comprise the essence of the strong delusion that God said he will send in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I believe this is going to be most likely the backbone of that or one of the main tenets. It won't be the only, but it will be one of the main tenets. They have begun working with an Earth Alliance of nations possessing secret space programs that are working with off-world visitors to bring about a quantum leap in human evolution. Hmm. Yeah, they're going to take us from the old world order into the new world order, where ye shall be as gods. That's one of the carrots. Humanity 2.0. You'll be part machine and your DNA will be defiled and changed. You won't be fully human anymore. You won't be capable of salvation anymore because Jesus didn't come back to save a whole bunch of uh, Nephilim or changed uh, humans with changed DNA that are cyborgs, meaning part human, part machine. He didn't come back for that. And this is a big reason why they want you to get the kill shots and, and to have your DNA changed and to take their microchips and their implants and things of this nature and to get you further and further and further away of what humanity actually is it's a big reason they want so badly to get that stuff in you because at the end of the day what this is about is satan trying to get as many people into hell and then the lake of fire as he can possibly get because he's going to want a lot of company he knows he's going there his demons and devils are going there that's their that's their future and they want to try to take as many humans with them as possible at the end of the day, that's what this is all about. If you want to distill everything, this whole life that we're in, that's what it's about. Because a thousand years from now, that's all it's going to matter, or even a hundred. That's all it's going to matter. Who's in heaven and who's in hell? The multi-step plan involves several phases, each of which will reveal wondrous secrets beginning with the ancient technological artifacts hidden inside the pyramids of Egypt, within underground caverns in the Americas, and elsewhere. They're going to they're gonna have a series of disclosure things. It's not going to be just one. It is going to be like so many. And this will probably come on the heels of most likely something like World War III, where people are in maximum desperation mode. Remember, they're going to bring their new world order out of the chaos that they created. Ordo ob cow, the motto of the 33rd degree Freemason. Ordo ob cow, meaning um, order out of chaos. So World War III, which has been predicted for a long time, is probably going to be that chaos to bring humanity into maximum desperation mode so that they will be more likely to receive the coming Antichrist and false prophet and this whole disclosure lie that we're going over right now. I've been saying this for years. I, I, At this point, it just seems as though we're just edging closer and closer to that eventuality. The residents of these underground and undersea cities also plan to introduce themselves to many more surface dwellers and allow some individuals to visit their cities 
and even remain if they wish. Mm. The next phase of the plan will be to officially introduce secret space programs to the rest of the world, along with the advanced propulsion, energy and health technologies that make such off-world programs. Yeah. The med beds. I had a listener email me the other day. They're talking a lot about that with the Q stuff. They're talking about that a lot with this currency revaluation that I've been hearing about for 20 plus years. Um, Nisera, Gesera, that's all part of this. And um, I guess he had some of his family members and they're really wanting to embrace the whole Q movement just because of these med beds. And these med beds are like, if you've seen the show Elysium, they had a bed in there. They had this thing you lay down, it analyzes you. And in the movie, it basically just repairs all of your stuff going on in your body. Any, any kind of probably genetic defect or whatever, it, the way it's portrayed in the movies is that or at least an elysium and this is why they were trying to get up to this i don't know it, it was like um it was like an artificial not moon but it was like an artificial habitat that was orbiting earth and the whole point of elysium was trying to get to this so that they could be healed in one of these med beds and they actually had to crash onto this area in order to get this little girl into a med bed so she could be healed and from what i've been told is the catch is you got to give them your dna before you go in and the version that i had heard is then you come back the next day and they have rewrote the dna that you gave them and then they basically change your dna and then that corrects you but who knows what it does to you, though? You, again, humanity 2.0. I don't trust anything that is going to change my DNA. I don't trust the kill shots. And that's changing your DNA. And you know that a big plan of Satan is to get at your DNA so that you're not fully human anymore. From what I can see, these med beds change your DNA. That's the whole premise by which they work. So... If this is my last broadcast, let's just say for argument's sake, this is my last broadcast. I would never get in one of those things. I wouldn't advise you to get in one of those things. Because you don't want your DNA modified and changed. And all of a sudden, you know, you go into one and you say, yeah, you're all nice, nice and dandy cotton candy. Wow, all my health ailments are gone. Why don't I have any desire for the Bible or Jesus Christ anymore? Why is that? That's so weird. That's been taken away. Oh, well, I mean, you're not even going to care at that point. Now, I don't know if that's the way it'll go down. I can't, I can't be super dogmatic about that. But if they're offering it and it's changing your DNA, knowing who is behind all of this, I wouldn't trust it any farther than I can throw it. But that's going to be one of the main, main satanic carrots that they put out there. It was the same thing with the V series. Just key in V, the letter V, in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. I'll see if it comes up. I'll, I'll actually try that myself. That's the problem is, is it's such a short title that it's hard to search for. Let's see. Okay, I found it, and I'm kind of glad I paused it to do it. You have to put... Do a capital V in quotes. A capital V. And it was that big series that ABC had. And it was, um, they had one in like the 80s. It was really 
cheesy, but it was basically uh, pretty accurate, probably as far as what their agenda is, at least. And then then, then they made a way more new whiz-bang one later, I don't know, 2009. And if you do a the quotes, the quote symbol, and then the letter V, capital V, end of quote, and you search for it at contendingfortruth.com, you will find it. Uh, I did this on 12, 14, 20. The 2009 TV series V predicted Bill Gates' forced inoculation depopulation plan. Scenes from the second season reboot of the TV series V shows eerily similar parallels um, to the new medically induced tyranny that is ongoing with the COVID-19 pandemic. Then regarding the alien agenda, the V miniseries, the R6, which was, I think is the compound in their vaccines. And it's so funny how V, the one of their carrots that they were using is, oh, we're gonna cure all your diseases. We're gonna give you these vaccines. We're And these vaccines are, are literally going to probably change you into something that's not even human. Anyway, the R6, which is a, compo- a, com- a compound in their alien vaccines they were going to give humanity, R6 is a compound created by the visitors used to track human beings. It's an injectable compound that embeds itself into human DNA and sends out a tracking signal detectable by the visitors. Well, what do we have now with the COVID-19 kill shots? You've got all the nanotech in there that is literally interfacing with the Bluetooth apps on phones if you have the right programs installed. And I've, I've given that information in the past. We've documented that. I have a whole file on even the programs you can download to find this stuff out. And it's tracking you. 12-digit alphanumeric codes that are embedded in a, a unique one that's, that's individualistic for every single person that has taken the COVID-19 kill shot. You got it in you. You got the nanotech. You, you got the self-assembly nanotech in you. And you are transmitting. You are a transmitter. And you are interacting with smartphones, uh, 5G base stations, and the cell phone towers. And probably other things. People that are dead, they're going to the grave sites and finding they can pick up these Bluetooth signals after they've been buried. Again, I've got a big file on this. It's not my imagination. It is going on. Uh, anyway... It's an ejectable compound that embeds itself into the human DNA and sends out tracking signals detectable to the visitors. The visitors developed and tested this chemical kill shot before the visitors revealed themselves. Um, so we've got that. And let me see if I've got into this anywhere else. Yeah, I've, I've actually talked about this, but you, you have to put the V in, in um, quotation marks. Also, maybe the word miniseries, but I think you're good just with V, capital V in quote in um quotation marks. There's several several studies that come up where I do talk about that. So if you if you want to know more about that, you can go from there. Anyway, let's get back to this video. Possible. Finally, extraterrestrials will reveal themselves when humanity is ready to deal with the truth about off-planet visitors and our genetic origins. Oh, our genetic... Hold on, what did he say? Our genetic origins? ...and our genetic origins. Yeah, and guaranteed, it is going to be polar opposite. It is going to be the ancient astronaut theory. So if you're not familiar with that term, an ancient astronaut. In the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. Okay, again, all these teachings are free. They're all 
there for your listening pleasure. Uh, and again, a lot of these go back to, some go back to 2006, where we've been talking about this. The ancient astronaut theory basically is that our benevolent, wonderful, ascended master, space brothers, are our creators. That's our genetic origin, okay? There's a, there's a couple different flavors of the way that they present it, but basically they're our creators. And we're their little science project, and we've messed things up so bad that they've got no choice but to come back and, and, and kind of correct their little science experiment. And they're going to take us from the old world order into the new world order we, where we will be as gods, and, and they're going to straighten us out on all the religions, especially Christianity. They, they really don't care about any of the other religions. They only really seem to want to focus on getting you to doubt the Bible, and particularly the narrative of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, his finished work on the cross. That seems to be the one they're really, really concerned about. Uh, so much that they'll have their own version of Jesus called Esau Sananda Emmanuel, or Master Jesus, that will look just like all the pictures that hang in all the churches that we got from the Catholic Church a long, long time ago. It's not what Jesus actually looked like. Key in Master Jesus in the keyword search box, again, at contendingfortruth.com, where we get into all that. This deception, this strong delusion is going to be multifaceted and it's going to be unlike anything you've ever seen. This is all part of it. It's all part of getting you to doubt your faith, to destroy your faith in the word of God and in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all the goal is here. Join Dr. Michael Sala as he presents evidence that the first phase of this comprehensive plan is now underway with recent announcements of a new chamber found in Egypt's Giza Pyramid uh -huh. and the latest contactee accounts reporting that underground and undersea cities are welcoming surface dwellers. Yep, I keep hearing more and more about it. Soft disclosure. They're softening us up for the for the right hand overhand overhand knockout blow. <laughs> That's what this soft disclosure is all about. This all new webinar on April first, twenty twenty three, entitled "The Big Rediscovery Plan: mm. SSP Disclosure of Ancient Technologies and Inner Earth Civilizations," will prepare and inspire you. Amazing revelations are about to happen with the rediscovery of long-forgotten advanced technologies and ancient civilizations, revealing the truth about our ancestors and our... Lies. They should say lies, but anyway. ...sure is all part of the disclosure plan beginning this year. Mm -hmm. I, like I said, guys, they're, they're, they're saying... Some big stuff's coming this year. Now, again, I know they've been probably saying that a long time, but I mean, you look at stuff, you look at what's going on in the world, and it, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. I mean, we we've had ongoing soft disclosure for decades now. Okay, um, this is just going to be more. How far it, they actually try to go this year, I don't know. Learn more about this groundbreaking presentation. Don't wait. Register today. So I want my listeners to be fully aware of this. And this is why I've done so many, like just if you can, uh, alien disclosure. You see all the mega studies I've done 
on this particular because it's so multifaceted. You get into the whole Bigfoot, cryptozoo, cryptozoology, um, cryptozoological creatures, uh, all of these things that I just talked about just now. All of this is tied together. All of it's tied together. And you can find all that stuff for free at contendingfortruth.com. Now, along these lines, let's go ahead and go to the next subject, which a new lie-filled David Wilcock and Mike Adams interview. It's funny. Mike didn't post this one on his website. Not that I, I couldn't find it anywhere on his website. I think he's a little bit leery of David Wilcock at this point because David's kind of, you can tell during the interview, he's a little bit perturbed that... Mike only gave him an hour and a half this time. The guy is so full of himself and full of pride. I don't think I've ever seen anybody like this David Wilcock guy. Now, he has also been on the absolute total cutting edge of the disclosure movement. Before Michael Salia was, says that he gets constant downloads from Michael the Archangel from like the 1990s. Okay. I've talked about this. I've talked about him. I've got a whole file on David Wilcock and also on Mike Adams. Mike Adams says he's a Christian, yet he brings on all these new age freaks that give this false gospel. And Mike's, in, Mike's totally cool with all of it. It's like, oh, come one, come all. I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with everyone. Well, you, you can't bow the knee to God and bow the knee to Baal. God is not the author of confusion, Mike. You can't promote some Christ-hating devil that's giving us a false gospel and call yourself a Christian. It doesn't work that way. Um, but he does it all day long and twice on Sunday. So, and so does so does um, Alex Jones. Promotes same type of devils, okay? Little different flavor, but basically a lot of the same Christ-hating devils. So a new lie-filled David Wilcock and Mike Adams interview. Preparing you to accept the Antichrist while trying to convince you they are one of the quote good guys and when you hear this i'm only going to play two minutes of this it, it, this guy this this david wilcock I, I don't know if i've ever seen anybody more full of pride than this guy no i'm, I'm just going to let you hear a couple minutes of this this is the first part of the interview i'm not going to play it, it goes to like the hour and 20 minute mark um if you want to hear more about the lies that are coming sure i wouldn't advise doing it but you can listen to it and avail yourself to more the bible says in in proverbs 16 18 pride goeth before destruction and in haughty spirit before the fall he believes that he is the reincarnated version of edgar casey like that psychic new age devil dude that died a while back he that's what he says he is he says he said basically this constant communication with michael the archangel well if it was michael the archangel of the bible why is it that what you're saying michael is telling you is so unbiblical and anti-biblical to what the bible actually says see that's why i know it's a lying spirit that's posing as michael the archangel just like when you go to a seance and oh i want to hear uh, dearly departed Aunt Agnes, she, we were so close and she departed and I never got a chance to say goodbye. And all of a sudden the, 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 the witch in the room, the medium, you know, oh, she, all of a sudden she'll start talking like Aunt Agnes and having even her, her actual facial expressions and, oh, I'm in a better place and, and tell you all this garbage that you want to hear. 
Okay, that's called a familiar spirit. The Bible talks about familiar spirits. Okay, it's a term used in the Bible. The spirit is familiar with the actions of that person that is dead now. Okay, and that per that spirit's still around. That person is most likely in hell. I am sorry, but that's most likely what's going on there. And but the spirit, that lying, deceitful spirit that inhabited that person while they were alive, that knows every bit about them, that knows how their voice sounds, their inflections, everything about them, will come and inhabit the medium and talk just like dearly departed Aunt Agnes to convince you that that's Aunt Agnes. And it's always, oh, I went to the light and I'm in a better place. And and they don't ever tell you about the gospel. They don't ever say how you need to get saved. I mean, if they were actually a real holy godly spirit, that's what they would tell you to do because they don't want, they wouldn't want you to go to hell. No, they don't ever do that. Not that I ever see, especially if you're doing it through a witch or something like that. I mean, you know, they're not, you're not going to get truth. You're going to get lied to. Well, that's the type of spirit that is communicating with David Wilcock and people of his ilk posing as Michael the Archangel. It's always like Gabriel, Michael the Archangel. It's never any kind of lower level because they've got to they gotta make you feel like you're real special. So I'm going to play this little New Age freak here right now. And about two minutes of this is about all I can take. Um, and this is Mike Adams interviewing him and, and introducing him. Welcome to the Health Ranger Report here on Brighton.tv. Today's guest is the legendary David Wilcock. That's right. I consider this man to be a living encyclopedia of knowledge on so many subjects. Mm -hmm. And he and I talk privately from time to time, and he shared with me some very useful insights on where he thinks things are going. And he has a more positive outlook than often I do uh, in my podcast. They can be a little gloomy from time to time. But David Wilcock has some very reassuring words for all of you listening who want to know how this ends in a positive way for the rebirth of human civilization. So again, this is the whole premise about what we're talking about today here. This is the whole premise of Michael Salia. Don't worry. The good guys are coming. They're going to bring the med beds. They're, they're bringing the ascended masters. They're going to take the wicked cabal and they're going to imprison them all. And then you're going to evolve to a higher life form. And you're going to be as gods. Just like the same lie that the serpent told Eve in the Garden of Eden. You should be as gods if you eat this fruit. He's the same way. People that are dominionists, which is a gigantic swath and movement in the Christianity thing. They believe the book of Revelation has already been done away with, essentially. Daniel and Revelation. They believe all that was fulfilled in 70 AD. That's, it's, you combine preterism with dominionism, and you've got, oh, well, Jesus is just going to come back and set up his throne. But what is actually going to happen is the Antichrist, the false prophet, are going to come back and set up the throne, and they're going to all point to him as Jesus, or they're going to point to him as somebody holy and good and righteous. This is why a devil like David Wilcock has a positive attitude about what's coming. Because whether he's aware of it or not, we've got these things that are going to be making their big appearance in the not too distant future. And they're gonna sound like the next best thing since sliced bread. They're gonna come with all signs and lying wonders and miracles, These the false prophet and the antichrist. They're gonna come with all kind of set, uh, high tech, tech, tech. They're gonna come with their probably their three mile UFOs, whether they're actually real or whether they're holograms, Project Blue Beam can pull that all off. 
if even if they're holograms, they're going to come with their ascended masters. They're going to come with all these things, and they're going to supposedly get rid of the wicked cabal, and they're going to give us all this technology and all this stuff for our health and all these things. How could that possibly be bad? Well, it will be the greatest deception the world has ever known. And a devil like Mike Adams and David Wilcock are going to be on the spear tip of that. Okay? And a lot of Christians, unfortunately, are most likely going to fall for this. Or at least they call themselves Christians. Um, that's why this ministry exists. In large part, to counter this unbelievable 9 billion pound gorilla in the room that I've seen coming for 20, 25 years. Not because I'm whatever the Lord did show me, I believe a long time ago about this. All the pieces are falling together. This isn't because I'm, I'm telling you, it's just for anybody with eyes to see, ears to hear and hearts to receive. This is what I see coming. And it will be the greatest delusion and deception the world's ever known. So we're going to ask him about that and also some psychoanalysis questions about what's going on with this global death cult. Why are radical leftists, for example, so interested in killing everybody, including themselves? What's going on with that? We're going to talk to David Wilcock about that and so much more when we, when we return here on the Health Ranger Report on Brighton.tv. Stay with us. All right, welcome back, folks. And now we are joined by David Wilcock, who needs no introduction. David, welcome to the show. It's always great to be able to speak with you. Thank you, Mike. It's great to be here. Well, you've got a lot of fans out there, David. Oh, and, you know, yeah. people saw you all over the, the various shows, Ancient Aliens and so on. But a lot of people don't realize how much knowledge you have in so many different areas. I mean, you're involved in, well, a certain company. I'm not even going to say I don't know how much is public information yet. Based but, body, yeah. It's, okay. I mean, you, you, you got technology, aerospace, you understand uh, psychoanalysis, and you have history and mythology, ancient aliens, all of this, but you're able to connect this in ways that very few... Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, is what the Bible would talk about this devil here. He, um, I'll tell you, he will pat himself on the back and he'll let you know what a amazingly, unbelievably smart and how much smarter he is than you will ever be he will let you know that people can uh, it, i mean or nobody living today really presents it the way you do so so thank you for joining us so nobody in the planet presents it like he does yeah i mean the the host of coast to coast am george nori said publicly more than once that he thought i was the smartest person he knew and he literally interviewed everybody okay so this is the kind of devil we're dealing with yeah, I mean, literally, the host of Coast to Coast, George Norris, said, I'm literally the first, smartest person he's ever known. He's interviewed everybody. Can you imagine uttering a statement like that about yourself? It's one thing to think it. It's another thing to utter it on air. And you, you, didn't, you weren't seeing the facial expressions, the matter-of-fact, cocky, pride-filled, arrogant facial expressions when he just uttered those words. See, that's all I need to know about the guy, to know he's deluded and deceived and full of pride and on his way to hellfire. And he's trying to take as many people to hellfire as possible with him. All he's done for decades and decades is list, listen to lying spirits. He's got a whole book called The Michael Prophecies that he's going to sell you at a discount. I talked about this more. I think it's like at least 100 bucks to 
the listeners of Mike Adams for a discounted price where it's like, you know, hundreds of pages of all these vain ramblings of this entity known as Michael the Archangel. All of it's totally against the Bible. And the Bible is very clear. It says, if we or an angel from heaven present you basically a gospel or preach to you a gospel that is not the gospel of the Bible, let him be accursed. And it says it, then it goes on to say it again, reiterate that, let them be accursed. And this is another gospel that this little new age devil is presenting us who's trying to get you into hellfire. And this is why I take it so personally, because I view it very black and white. He's not only trying to get rich off this Michael Prophecy book and think that he's doing us such a great favor um, with all these lies in this book that he got from a demon, essentially. But he's also trying to convince you he is the smartest person on the planet. Now he goes on to say that later in the broadcast that he's basically the smartest person on the planet. So this is the type of devil that we're dealing with here. And he has been on the spear tip of this movement for a very, very long time. Okay, so continuing on, and this relates to this whole network that I was in reference to. David Wilcock, Mike Adams, Alex Jones, these um, New Age doctor networks, these freedom doctors um, <clears throat> who were a very, very have been prevalent during the whole COVID-19 thing. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who is one of the main <clears throat> ones within these this network, who now is running for U.S. president, is nothing more than controlled opposition. It is in lockstep with so many of the freedom doctors who are yoked up with the new age and represent the supposed good guys. But they will be on the spear tip of leading us into the new world order and embracing the Antichrist. Now, I've covered this in the past, and I just gave a couple different reports from my old study, my older studies. Uh, there's a link here, and it's called The Aquarian Luciferian Agenda, The New Age Doctor Network. And it's a whole video that Hugo Talks did, I think it's like 53 minutes, where it goes into this in depth. I've played portions of that. But if you want to know more about this, key on this link. It'll be in the PDF for the study. Uh, I don't know exactly what page it'll end up on, but... It's called the Aquarian Luciferian Agenda New Age Doctor Network. There's a link there. Virtually all the prominent COVID truther doctors are connected to the occult, quote, seven rays and the Academy of Divine Knowledge. And New Ager Sasha Stone, who is united with the United Nations and so much more. Members include Christ-hating godless David Icke, who's a frequent guest on Alex Jones, uh, Del Bigtree. Dr. Judy Mikovits, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who is now running for president, U.S. president, okay, as a Democrat, okay, Carrie Madage, Dr. Carrie Madage, Sherry Tenpenny, Michael Jaco, who, you know, some former Navy SEAL, total Q-pushing liar, really, Dr. Larry Palovitsky, Dr. Christine Northrup, Sean Stone, Dr. David Martin, Dr. Andrew Wakefield, and many more, all placed by the UN to make our transition to the new normal, the new world order more comfortable. It's where it's going to end up. It, it, it blends and melds very nicely with the previous stuff we just covered. 
For a larger listing of the people in this occult organization, go to, and there's a link here you can go to see like the larger list. The man behind the Academy of Divine Knowledge is Sasha Stone, and he has quite a few alarming connections, to put it mildly. According to Stone's bi biography, and there's an archive, and this is all linked, you can click on these links, he has headed the United Nations Intergovernmental Renewable Energy Organization, or UNIREO, since 2010. How could you possibly trust anything from these organizations with these unbelievably horrible United Nations New Age connections? <clears throat> Talk about red flags. However, it appears that he has been expelled by the UN NGO in 2016 for failing to update its status. To address the elephant in the room, it's cause for concern when one of the main voices opposed to the UN slash who medical charity is also part of the UN. Stone also founded Humanta Aid in 1999, another NGO. Uh, Humanta Aid is, uh, is for one world, one humanity. I think that's their, their motto, Humanta Aid. Now, again, Stone founded this, this Sasha Stone, who is the basically the head of this divine knowledge. Uh, Academy of Divine Knowledge that all these supposed freedom doctors are a part of. Well, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11, verse 3. Well, this foundation was wicked and corrupt from the beginning, this Academy of Divine Knowledge. And you, you yoke up with that, you're going to be, you know, affected. Even if your intentions are good, you're going to be affected in a very negative way. And I'm not saying their intentions were good. I'm not saying they're all evil and wicked, all these freedom doctors, but, you know, they need to do their homework at bare minimum. <clears throat> Humanta Aid is, is a one world, one humanity is their motto. It's dedicated to inspiring tolerance and goodwill between people of all the nations and faiths. Sounds very woke to me. It is committed to ushering in a new era of truth, should say lies, transparency and right-mindedness whilst inspiring growth in the spiritual framework within which we function as a species. Does that sound new, new age enough for you? There's a whole big video on that as well right here. Okay. Uh, Carrie Madage also exposed again. Here's a video series, The Phoenix DNA, The Jab. There's a whole thing on her. Now, <clears throat> since we brought up Robert F. Kennedy Jr., another former associate with Jeffrey Epstein, Okay, the child molester, Jeffrey Epstein, Donald Trump being the first associate, because Donald Trump and him are, were good buddies going way back. Obviously, Donald Trump distanced himself after a certain amount of time he had to. But I mean, man, my word, there's so many pictures of them together, good buddy buddies at all their parties. Videos of it, the whole nine yards. <clears throat> I mean, they, they, they live within a stone's throw of one another in Mar-a-Lago. Another former associate with Jeffrey Epstein, Donald Trump being the first, files to run for U.S. president in 2024. And it, this is, is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. really anti-vaccine? Answer, no, he is not, and we will prove it. I'm going to play the video to show you he's not anti-vaccine. It has widely been reported today that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has filed a run for office of the U.S. presidency in 2024, giving Americans two candidates now 
one in each party who are former associates with associates with convicted child sex trafficker and molester Jeffrey Epstein and are running for president. Just about everyone in the alternative media who has covered this announcement by RFK Jr. sees this as a wonderful news, while the corporate media, which seems to be following some kind of script or press release, are all writing basically the same thing and choose to criticize his anti-vax positions. This negative media coverage will, of course, strengthen Kennedy's support in the alternative media, which thrives on negative news against the COVID shots. As it, you know. Anyway. This is all about right, left, Coke, Pepsi, divide and conquer. Okay. What is lacking in all this media coverage is the abundance of publicity available in um, publicly available information about RFK's junior's trouble, trouble past with sex, drugs, much of which was published back in 2015 by the New York Times bestselling author, author Jerry Oppenheimer in his book, RFK Jr., The Dark Side of the Dream, which the New York Daily News described as a bombshell, unauthorized biography, tells the haunting past that kept Kennedy from following in his father's footsteps. This is well known, guys. This information about this guy. It's just like Trump, his philanderings of times past. Very, very well known. Could write a book on that as well. It's not a mystery. The Kennedys all, going back to, I mean... RFK, the whole nine yards, they were all serial philanderers. Okay, that's been one of the, you know, earmarks of their of, of that particular, the particular men in that family, at least. Now, so a member of this incredibly famous Kennedy family, who just a few years ago was considered by most in the media as unelectable because of his past, and has never previously held a public elected office before, is now being funded by a wealthy Silicon Valley technocrat who apparently believes that he can buy a U.S. president. And this is Steve Kirsch, Silicon Valley billionaire. Although he has filed to run for president as a Democrat, you know, which, you know, what kind of... If he was actually righteous, had any righteousness, on God's green earth, why would he run as a Democrat? I mean, come on. I'm not saying, obviously, I know you could say, well, right, left, the whole Coke, Pepsi thing. I get it. But at least the right, at least the Republican Party stands for conservative values, typically. Now, I'm not saying that a lot of them aren't devils. Okay, I'm not saying that. But the Democrats overtly just stand for wickedness and evil. But this devil's going to run as a Democrat? Wow. RFK, um... Although he filed a run for president as a Democrat, RFK Jr. actually seems to take the GOP positions on vaccines, meaning um, the Republican position on vaccines, which is that all vaccines are safe and effective except for the COVID-19 kill shots. So he's not going really going after the medical pharma cartel in totality regarding the vaccines are wicked and evil, which I've think i've proven over and over i have to do is look at their ingredient list to know that no 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 it's just the covid 19 shots you can listen to this one minute video above to answer the question is robert f kennedy jr actually anti-vaccine i'm going to play this it's one like one minute minister farrakhan has asked me to address the issue of vaccines and african-american and vaccine safety 
I want to start out by saying this, and I want to say it. I don't know why his voice is that way. I'm sure there's a medical reason, but I mean, it, it's like for me, it's like nails across a chalkboard trying to listen to this guy. And now I see what an unbelievable devil that he is to boot. And he's 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 answering Farrakhan, that devil Farrakhan. It's like, come on, really? I mean, what? To a vaccines and an African American and vaccine safety. I want to start out by saying this, and I want to say it emphatically. I am pro-vaccine. I am. I have always been fiercely pro-vaccine. I go. had all six of my children vaccinated, and I believe that we ought to have policies that encourage full vaccination for all Americans. Well, there you go. There you go. Now, this was recorded on March 20, March of 2023. This is this Robert Barnes, constitutional lawyer, also another one you see all the time on Alex Jones. Um, and if the anti-vax is defined as being just reflexively hostile to vaccines, pretty much nobody's really anti-vax. Uh, that's a very tiny percentage of the population. Oh, so he's referring to me and evidently and, and a lot of other people downplaying that. So he here's a, here's a constitutional lawyer who's also a mouthpiece of Satan who's basically saying, you know, oh no, nobody's very very tiny percentage of anybody is actually really truly anti-vax it's only the covid one which is so overtly satanic that it's 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 tough for them not to be and, and to come out against that if there's any righteous leg they're trying to stand on doesn't mean they're righteous but they can get behind that banner they can get on the coattails of oh covid19 vaccine is evil and wicked which is you know pretty easy to prove that they label Robert Kennedy Jr. anti-vax uh, when Robert Kennedy Jr. has taken most of the vaccines. His kids have taken most of the vaccines. The uh, It's only dangerous drugs disguised as vaccines that lead to the questions and problems and criticisms. So let's go further with this. <clears throat> Silicon Valley businessman Steve Kirsch jumped on the anti-COVID uh, vaccine bandwagon back in 2021 after he agreed to be injected with the bioweapon shots himself and found out later they were not what they were advertised to be. He then used his wealth to begin at least two new organizations. The co oh, at least th this is the story we're being told. Okay. The, the, oh, okay. He, he realized he saw the light and all this other stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, he then used his wealth to begin at least two new organizations. One, the COVID-19 Early Treatment Fund or CETF, there's links to these here, and the Vaccine Safety Research Foundation, or the VSRF. Elon Musk, another big tech billionaire and Luciferian, who is pure evil, is listed as one of the donors of CETF, which is the COVID-19 Early Treatment Fund. So again, birds of a feather flock together red flags everywhere cetf is currently funding several pharmaceutical drug trials including one drug that is already an fda approved antidepressant which apparently they want to be approved for early covid treatment as well so it's an antidepressant and they want to use it to treat covid okay the bioweapon okay yeah so these guys are just devils is what is what we're seeing here clearly they're all they are is one side of the coin. They're they're just one side of the controlled opposition. They're the good guy side. They're the guys that are are supposedly have our backs and they'll never lead us astray.
which is the exact opposite. Apparently, Steve Kirsch and his fellow big, wealthy, big tech friends seem to believe that they can buy a president. As Kirsch announced that he had started a super PAC in February to encourage RFK Jr. to run for president. If by some chance RFK Jr. would actually win and become president of the United States, he would have to take a serious deduction in his salary that he currently makes at Children's Health Defense. As he earned $497,000 for 2021. So all that money that people sent to Children's Health Defense, almost $500,000 of it went to RFK Jr., I mean, you're, you're really, you're, your money's really going a long way when you're paying this devil almost half a million dollars for his salary. I mean, I, I can't even, it's, it's unbelievable. This was even more than the Satanist Anthony Fauci made as the highest employee in the federal government. So it was a pretty lucrative gig for good old RFK Jr., this whole Children's Health Defense Fund, this whole thing. Mr. Kennedy's salary has dramatically increased since COVID. Going from 255000 in 2019, this is Children's Health Defense Fund, or CHD, to 345000 in 2020, to almost 500000 in 2021. We don't even know what, it's, what it was after that. The revenue coming into CHD has more than doubled each year of their existence. And again, you think you're you're donating to one of these places and the money's going toward actually fighting this stuff. Well, you could see that they're padding a lot of probably very large salaries, primarily. Okay. And this is controlled opposition. Um so their 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 revenue coming in, there's more than doubled each year. In um 2018. It was a million and sixty sixty three thousand dollars in um, two thousand nineteen. It was two point nine million. Two thousand twenty, it went up to six point seven million. And then in the year COVID started, it went to an astounding fifteen, almost sixteen million. Two thousand twenty one. Who knows what it was in two thousand twenty two? These are all sourced. Um, documents that they're referencing here there's links to everything that i'm talking about here the guy writing the article says i'm a paid member of chd because i paid my ten dollars probably to become ten dollars to become a lifetime member probably ten dollars a month i would imagine back in february of 2020 i could only find their public tax returns through 2020 online which they're required to make public as a 501c3 nonprofit, like most christian ministries out there so i emailed them at the end of 2022 requesting their 2021 return and i have it published here there's a link to that when i saw the dramatic increase of revenue from 2020 to 2021 which was a time the general economy at least outside the big pharma cartels was declining i emailed them to ask them about this dramatic increase in revenue I have some additional questions after, and this is the, the um, letter he wrote. I have some additional questions after reviewing your 2021 990 IRS form. Is Children's Health Defense transparent in, the, in who their donors are? You went from a revenue of 
basically 6.8 million in 2020 to uh, over uh, 15.6, almost 15.7 million, which is more than doubled the next year in 2021. That's quite an increase. Can you reveal who your largest donors are? How many donors contribute more than 1 million? Robert Kennedy's compensation also greatly increased in 2021. Does this revenue include revenue he earned from the sales of his book published in 2021? Uh, I know they received my inquiry because they had just emailed me their 2021 tax returns, but they declined to respond to this letter I just read you. I think we could safely conclude that big tech is probably a major source of funding for CHD, at least through Steve Kirsch. So again, it's all about controlled opposition. It's the whole thing about Trump. They control both sides. All these people dump all their money into um, people like Trump. A lot of people do it with religion. They do it with like Benny Hinn and, and TBN and a lot of these, they, they dump all, and it's all controlled opposition. It's just different arms of the Luciferian networks that control these things. And they're laughing all the way to the bank. Here's a little a little thing. Remember Epstein's little black book, how that was published? Well, guess who had a big old gigantic fat entry in there? JF, uh, this RFK Jr., the same devil at the head of Children's Defense Fund, the same one running for president as a Democrat. Big old fat entry. Here's the entry. Here's a screenshot of the entry. Uh, right near Senator Ed Kennedy's entry. Right near Ted Kennedy Jr. entry. This is Epstein's little black book. They're all controlled. Trump's in here too. I'll tell you what though. RFK Jr.'s entries are way bigger than Senator Ed Kennedy and Senator uh, or, or Ted Kennedy Jr. I mean, the amount of numbers they have listed under uh, Bobby and Mary Kennedy, which is RFK Jr. and his wife at the time. I mean, it, it looks like there's one, uh, as far as lines go, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, about 16, I don't know. There's probably at least 12 or 13 phone numbers. It reminds me of, of Trump's entry. Trump's entry was very, very large like this. Ethel Kennedy is also in here. So this is the type of scum that is put into position to control you as controlled opposition. So that you'll look to them thinking, oh, this is our beacon of hope. They're really fighting the bad guys when they're nothing more than one of them. All they're doing is posing as one of the good guys. This goes on every day, all day long, all over the world and has for probably since antiquity. Since neither the corporate media nor the alternative media is covering RFK Jr.'s very troubled past, at least not yet, which is all a matter of public record. Here are some of the highlights. And I'm not going to get into all the gory details. You can read this full article if you want to read that. I'm going to give you just a little bit so you have a little bit of understanding of what we're talking about here. These are a matter of public record. 
his philandering, just like Trump's, it's well known. If you plan on supporting Mr. Kennedy to become president of the United States, you should most definitely know who you're supporting. RFK's sex diary, his journal, his secret journal of affairs. This was written by Isabel Vincent and Melissa Klein. Here's just one, a little bit of an excerpt. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. grappled with what he called his biggest defect, quote, my lust demons, end of quote. While keeping a scorecard of more than two dozen female conquests, according to a secret diary, the thick red journal was found in their home by his wife, Mary Richardson Kennedy, who distraught over their impending divorce and Kennedy's serial philandering committed suicide last year, 2012. Yeah, maybe. She hung herself in the garage. How many women sang themselves? It's, it's, it's not, that's not a typical way a woman would kill herself. Hanging. That's more of a guy thing. Women typically tend to take like pills or maybe slit their wrists in a warm in a warm bathtub or something like that. Usually you don't see women hanging themselves. I strongly feel that she most likely was just giving him way too much problem, probably was threatening to come out with this information. And, you know, she was taken care of. Who made that call? I don't know. But I don't trust this guy any farther than I could throw him. Maybe she really did commit suicide because she was grief-stricken and heartbroken. I don't know. But I, I tell you, a guy like this that'll that'll do what he's done in the family that he comes from with the generational luciferian bloodlines these guys are luciferians okay there is nothing i would put past them another report and all the full articles for this are all here i'm not going to get in i'm just giving you the, the most sanitized stuff here another report reads by Jerry Oppenheimer, of all of, of all the Kennedy men, most known to be notorious womanizers, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. had the most wives, he had three, and an untold number of sexual liaisons. His sex and drug addiction problems lasted for years. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and, and his now deceased wife Mary were also listed in Jeffrey Epstein's Black Book, along with other Kennedy family names. Why would that surprise us? Again, these are generational Luciferians with the right bloodlines that are put there by design on purpose. JFK Jr. has been listed as a passenger, R, I'm sorry, RFK Jr. has been listed as a passenger on Jeffrey Epstein's Lolita Express. Here's the source for it. And admits he flew on Epstein's plane twice. What was the source? One Nation Under Blackmail, the sword union between intelligence and organized crime that gave rise to Jeffrey Epstein by Whitney Webb, Volume 2, page 159. Like his potential opponent in the presidential 2024 elections, Donald Trump, who is also a former associate of Jeffrey Epstein, I am sure Mr. Kennedy will deny any knowledge of what Epstein was actually doing during the time, as have many other public figures and big tech billionaires billionaires recently because there's so many people in that book also like former president trump rfk jr was trained as a jesuit as he reportedly learned of his father's shooting when he was at georgetown preparatory school a jesuit boarding school north of bethesda maryland 
What was the source? Oprah talks to Bobby Kennedy Jr. February of 2007 um, in Oprah Magazine. There's a, there's a link to that as well. It even has its own Wikipedia page. And an email sent out today by Laura Bono of Children's Health Defense. It was announced that Mr. Kennedy is now officially, quote, chairman on leave. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. filed with the Federal Election Commission Wednesday, April 5th, as he considers running for President of the United States. Because of his decision to devote full-time to his campaign, Mr. Kennedy's title is now Children's Health Defense Chairman on Leave. So, I just wanted everybody to know what kind of devil that you're dealing with here. Okay, At that level, it's pretty much ubiquitous. They don't put people in those positions at that high level unless, you know, they've they've sold the soul to Satan a long time ago. Or maybe, you know, I maybe it's not always selling the soul to Satan. Maybe it's just blackmail to the gills. Maybe it's there's other factors. But I'm just saying, for the most part, especially with that bloodline. Okay. Um, oh, I'm totally out over on time. So God bless you, and we will see you in part two.